15, verses 3 through 10. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And you step your chore. Thank you, Roger. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody here today. I'm, I just love this weather. Last night was nice and crisp. Today was a nice and crisp morning. Anyway, that's great. I want to talk a little bit today about servants of the kingdom. We, we talked before about Jesus and what, it, what he meant to be, what it meant for him to be Lord. We talked last time a little bit about the kingdom and how significant the kingdom was to Jesus. Today, I want to look a little bit more closely about what it means to be a servant of that Lord. The Greek word for servant is translated servant in Jesus' day meant slave. We get cheated in our English translations because no one really wanted to translate this. I've yet to find a translation that translates everywhere the word slave comes, slave, it always translates it servant. If you were a slave in the first century, you were just a piece of a property. Jesus was talking to people who knew the real meaning of slavery. We don't have such people today. The closest comparisons would be, oh, someone who's a maid or a servant somewhere who works somewhere for wages. But the servant in the first century was the person who had lost everything they owned. You might have been a king in another land, but if they dragged you into Rome, you became the person who had absolutely nothing and no rights. He'd been sold in a market, just like you would an animal. I want, to, I want to read something. Although seemingly just a small inscribed plate, we'll look at in a moment, two and a quarter inches in diameter, the object tells the dark side of the Roman Empire. This tag was found on a slave in a metal collar that was, was, would have been forced around the neck. They would have taken that and branded it to either a le leather collar or a metal collar, and it said, hold me lest I flee and return to my master, Viventius, on the estate of Callistus. 
he lost his name. He was no longer Peter or John or Agnes, but he became Atticus or Felix or Viventius. You belonged to that person. He was paid nothing for his work. The owner said, you get up at 6 in the morning, you got up at 6. If he said, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you got up at 4 o'clock. It wasn't your decision to do any of those things. He was a slave, no freedom, no choices, no absolute nothing. Now, Jesus told the story about a master inviting his servant to eat first. That would have caused anyone, including the disciples in the room, to look at each other. When Jesus said, would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? The answer was, well, of course not. He wouldn't thank the servant. Jesus then said, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, would say we're unworthy servants. We've done only which was our duty. Now stay with me because we're going to talk about this a little bit more. The servant in the story is, is, is seeming unusual. He's out in the field with the animals one minute and the next minute he's cooking. Almost everybody in Rome had a servant. You could buy a servant for a day's wages. So you had servant or multiple servants. But this servant is catering by the master to the servant. Instead of, the, instead of the master being served first, the suggestion is, well, we need to, we need to change that around. He might be, might have well to use a, a phrase to, to introduce this, can you imagine? The answer would be no, we, we, we can't imagine it. Jesus made himself known among his disciples and followers as a what? As a servant. Even though he was Lord of all. If a common servant is faithful to obey the orders of his master and he doesn't get any reward, nobody says, thank you for what you've done. How much more Christ's disciples should obey their loving master when he blesses them now and for eternity. Our world doesn't think like this, not even close. In fact, we may not like to hear it, but the truth is, we are slaves of Jesus Christ. When, you, when we read the word servant, let's try in our mind to put in there the word slave because I think it will have a greater meaning to us and a greater impact. We were bought, as Daryl spent time this morning around the Lord's table explaining to us, we were bought with a price. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that allows us today to have freedom from sin and be in a relationship with that Lord. For none of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Praise God. You know, if you're 
six or 25 or 30 and you're in good health, that doesn't say much. But as you get older, that begins to mean more and more. One of these days, some of us here are going to be dead. And I am thankful that Jesus was resurrected so he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus died for our sins. That's true. I'm not trying to minimize it. But in his resurrection, Jesus became the Lord of all of us slaves. And he died for all that we who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and he was raised again. That's why when they were talked about slaves in the first century, this would have been normal. But for us, slavery is very foreign. I get it. We've got a horrible past of slavery. But as Christians, we need to understand the meaning of that word in our relationship with Jesus. You are bought with a price. What's our obligation? Therefore, honor God with your body. How many people woke up today thinking, you know, I'm going to honor God with my body. What I do today, I'm going to honor him. I don't know if you heard what Rusty said or not, but it, it's always extremely meaningful to me when we meet together. You don't get to see what I see. You just see the back of a bunch of heads in front of you. But there is nothing like being in this room, in this assembly, with people of like faith, like mind, like passions, like purpose. Some people are told <clears throat> that salvation means total freedom from anything. It's kind of a twist on the once saved, always saved. But, oh, praise the Lord, I'm free. I'm free from sin. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that in any, in any negative way. Praise the Lord for that. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly, with your whole heart, obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'll take Jesus as a Lord any day over the alternative of evil Satan. There are two masters in the world. There are two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of Jesus. One is the kingdom of Satan. They're both real. Daryl used the word hell this morning. Hell is a real place. It's not any place we ever want to go. It's, it wasn't made for us. It was made for Satan and his angels who rebelled and God cast them out of heaven. But it is a real place. We were born sinless. <laughs> Do you remember when you first began to sin? Now don't, don't lie to me. You know, don't pretend you're all, we're all suave and debonair and we don't remember. You know, you stole a penny or you stole a quarter or you lied or you cheated or you did something. You remember that the first, it really bothered you. 
Maybe, maybe as a little child, but as you begin to grow older, you thought, I shouldn't be doing that. And so we're born sinless, and very gradually sin takes over our life. And those of us that are older have seen our children change in a way as they go through life from sinless to sinful. We become citizens of the kingdom where everyone is his own king if we are our own boss, if Jesus is not Lord. Can you think of a text that summarizes Satan's evil kingdom? Okay, your time's up. All of us who lived among them, all of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying the sinful, the cravings of our sinful nature. Following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Just like the Gentiles. He said we were like that. We, we gratified our cra cravings. Jerry got what Jerry wanted. Not what I needed, not what was good for me. I got what I wanted. Our sinful nature and its desires. We became objects of wrath. Who's wrath? God's. So we did as we pleased. <clears throat> what difference does that make? The kingdom of darkness is like a wrecked ship. And it's sinking fast. The captain says to those on the ship, all of you in the second and third class, come on up here. The, the bar's on you. All the drinks, all the food, everything you wanted. Come on. Help yourself. Just uh, don't worry about it. Play kickball in the dining room. If you break out the chandeliers, that's okay. Just, just have fun. Just do what you want to do. It really doesn't matter. Like the Titanic, it's going to sink in a short period of time. In the kingdom of darkness, you can have all the, the drugs, lust, lying, and cheating you want. You can stand in front of the Congress building of the United States and you can lie to the whole country. You can cut the breasts off of healthy young girls and smile and call it gender affirming care. You can do all of that in the kingdom of darkness and you can smile and pat yourself on the back about how great that is. In that case, we think we're God. <clears throat> Freedom from sin does not remove us from being in some kingdom. All right? It's moving from the rulership of Satan <clears throat> to the rulership of Jesus Christ. Think about it. This recently, I don't know how recently, but for the first time, those who believe in God in the world fell below 50%. So we're like 40, 49%. But 51% of the world who would say, I'm not religious at all, belong to a king. They, they, they may claim themselves as king, though they would probably deny it. But group of anyone in our world who follows something, follow the money, follow the time, follow the energy, follow the passion, and you will find what that person follows and what is their God. No one 
escapes belonging to some kingdom. In this new kingdom with Christ, you can't just do anything that crosses your mind. Some people think that that which distinguishes of those in the church is like, uh, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't date the girls that do. Some goofy stuff like that. That's not even close. Some live and think as if there are two paths, not one, excluding the, the path to eternal damnation. For example, the, the weight of sinners is a wide way to hell. But I've had people say, well, I think there's a narrow way. That's for, you know, like preachers and leaders, that's like all you spiritual people. And then there's a third path, you know, not too wide, not too narrow, kind of center of the road for the rest of the believers. Jesus in Revelation 3 of the church of Laodicea said, that kind of middle road lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach. Of course, all that proposal <clears throat> is a lie. It had a man tell me one time, <clears throat> I'd come down and I bought shotgun shells from him and I would always say, Hey, let's get together and talk about Jesus. Oh, I'm all right. He said, in the end of time, things are going to be so busy, God's going to need somebody to help, to help direct the traffic. I said, I don't think it's going to be you. In the kingdom of darkness, we do our own thing. If I live in the kingdom of darkness, I do what Jerry wants to do. If we're in God's kingdom, we do what he wants to do. It's his righteousness that we have become. So we serve him as a slave. The slaves of the kingdom of darkness, it's not easy to get from one kingdom to the other. People say, well, yeah, it is. No, it isn't. If you've ever been in a sin and you've tried to move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, there is a whole lot. I mean, it's just like someone has taken nails and nailed your feet spiritually to the floor. The only way to get free from slavery is to die. I think about in our country why the American slaves saying so much about heaven. You know, they didn't, none of them had PhDs. They didn't need to. They knew that for most of them, the only way to escape that slavery was to die. And they believed in a better place. There's another problem. The kingdom of God does not accept naturalized citizens. You have to be born into the kingdom of God. Suppose the laws of the United States were like this. They're not even close to this, but you just have to pretend with me, all right? I went to the immigration office and I said, look, I would like to become a citizen of the United States. And he says, okay, well, where were you born? I said, well, I was born in China. He said, I'm sorry, you can't be a citizen. But look, I really, really I want to be a citizen more than... Anything you don't, you don't know. Well, where were you born? Well, I was born in China. You have to be born in America on American soil to be an American citizen. So what's the alternative? Well, the only thing he says you could do is die and be born again and make sure you're born this time in America as if you had a choice. 
how can we change citizenship from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? God had a plan before time began. We hear that and we sort of yawn. I said this morning in class, you know, if it had been me right after God created the last thing, I would have said, all right, let's get Jesus in here on this cross and get this sin problem taken care of. God had a way of taking care of all sin. But it was in his mind. He planned it all before time began. He knew exactly what we as humans would do and become, and he made a plan for that. Jesus' death would be the solution to the problem of sin and darkness. So how does his, what does his resurrection mean? Any slave who trusts in the cross is allowed to count the death of Christ as his own death. That's what baptism is all about. Some people think of baptism as a ceremony. I was watching the other day on TV and it, it was a huge ceremony. They had cameras, they had music, they had all kinds of crowds. People, they weren't dressed in their Sunday best, Mike. I don't know what they, but they were dressed to the hilt, way beyond, way beyond, you know, your Sunday go to meeting clothes. And they had this whole elaborate thing and it all ended up with splatting some water in the face of a baby. Now, until we understand the significance of baptism, that could well be our understanding. Immersion shows in a very plain way the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I don't know who came up with these charts, but I love them. Because the one on the left shows the gospel enacted in the sense of Jesus was crucified on a cross. He died. He was buried in a tomb, and he was resurrected back to life. And the other one shows the reenactment of that as a person who commits, I am dying to myself. And I'm going to be buried as Jesus was buried symbolically, and I am going to rise up out of that water an absolute new creation with all of my sin gone. I've heard this, I kill you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and you will be born into the kingdom of God to serve him and please him. You said, Jerry, is that scriptural? I don't know any scriptural ceremonial words, but I'm pretty sure if that was said to me, I would remember it. The Apostle Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. By the way, let me go back just two seconds. Hang on to that thought. So in the mind of God, just to show the historical, we need to spend some time on this, but to show that God is really real, who he thinks he is. In the mind of God, he planted in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, chapter 3, somewhere around in there, 9 and 10, it talks about the apostles, the prophets of old longed to look into this. 
it wasn't like the, the plan just worked out through time. It was in the mind of God, and God worked out the time, and at just the right moment, he sent what? A woman, Mary. Jesus became that vehicle, all in the mind of God. Talked about by prophets 600, 1,000 years before in advance. So when it comes to the day of Pentecost, and this becomes the reality, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Maybe we could say it's like a dollar bill. Dollar bill has two values. Well, you're going to have to pretend on this one too, all right? But it has an intrinsic value. Ink and paper, that's, that's not very much. But there's a greater value attached to the dollar. And that dollar is backed by the Federal Reserve. Baptism is similar. The water, the ceremony might <clears throat> seem similar. But the ceremony get its, gets its power from the cross and the empty tomb. Baptism is not an invention of the 21st century. As I said last week, Christianity is not a, an American invention, a, a invention. Remember where Christianity originated in a little, small, little, teeny, weeny, tiny country called Israel. And you and I as Gentiles were included in God's plan. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his family were baptized. That speaks of the urgency. I remember a lady who rode a train in Russia for almost two days, maybe a little over two days. She had heard that there was a church in the city of Barnaul and she came to be baptized. And people had made arrangements. They met her down at the train station and they said, you know, come, let's, let's clean up, let's rest. And she said, no. I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins now. I've always been amazed at the passion of some people's heart. And later, as you know, we were sitting around and after the baptism and we were having coffee and talking and she said, now I can relax. My sin is gone. See, she understood the destructive nature of sin and the rebellion that it was to God. I baptized people in a swimming pool, in a jacuzzi, in a river, in a Russian sweat box called a banya. It's not fit for anybody over 120 degrees. I baptized people in a frozen river. I baptized people in a bathtub. Just get them all in there. You know what we do after that? We had a cup of coffee and some dessert. So, baptism is a tremendous, tremendous object lesson of escaping from the darkness and evil world of sin to light in the kingdom of God.
So when Jesus goes back and begins that story and he tells the, the, then the story and Peter says, well, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus said, well, Peter doesn't take a whole lot of faith. He, he says, if you had the face of, see, we, we, we tend to think about the other end. If you had a faith, faith of mustard, see, you could go whammy to this mountain and it would be whammied over there. But that's not what he says. If you had the face of a mustard seed, a mustard seed, if I held it in, if I had three or four, three in my hand, you couldn't see it from where you are. And yet he talks of its power. So, who are you a slave to? You're a slave either to Jesus Christ or the world. I didn't say you were a murderer and slamming people. You're just, you, if you haven't been free to sin, you have sin you need to get rid of. Don't keep dragging it around like a ball and chain. Cut it loose. Let Jesus set you free. If we can serve.